from the CSI Today News Desk at the College of Staten Island. Welcome to the CSI Today Talks Podcast with your hosts, David Pizzuto and Terry Manns. The CSI Today Talks Podcast is your connection to the College of Staten Island with the newsmakers that make it happen. From world-renowned faculty and staff, dynamic students, and community leaders, stay connected to CSI with CSI Today Talks. And now, here is your host, Terry Mayers. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the CSI Today Talks podcast on CSIToday.com or from wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This is Terry Mayers, co-host of CSI Today Talks, here to bring you the latest episode, Season 1, Episode 8. Today we're talking to Mike Lederhandler, Chief of Public Safety at CSI. But before we get to Mike, we want to remind you to make sure that you subscribe to our podcast. Co-host David Pizzuto and I will look to bring you new episodes often. Like this episode coming up, all of our episodes are available via our archive on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, from our website at www.csitoday.com, or from wherever you found us today. So let's get right into it. Thanks for joining us on the CSI Today Talks podcast, Mike. How are you? I'm good, Terry. Thank you for having me. Great. Uh, Well, let's get right into this. Um, First of all, I'd like you to discuss your responsibilities as Director of Public Safety. Okay. So, as you said, I'm the Director or or we sometimes say Chief of Public Safety here at the College of Staten Island. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason we say both is my actual payroll title is Director for HR, but my rank within the department is called Chief. Okay. So, uh, what is my role as, as the chief of public safety? Well, the way I view it, kind of like the hub uh, that keeps the, the entire wheel turning. We have a department of approximately 60 people. Some are sworn officers, some are unsworn uh, supplemental officers. And, but uh, almost everybody is a uniformed personnel. And when you have uniformed personnel on a college campus, it's, you know, perception, the way they act is very important to achieving our goals. Our goals are to create and maintain an environment that is safe and conducive to the educational process. But when you're in uniform, especially, you know, over the last couple of years, people have come to look at people in uniform in different ways. So I need my uniform staff to portray or or to further a situation in which we are always going to be approachable. Everyone should know that we're here to help. And I want my officers to basically be an extension of my personality because that's, that's me. That's who I am here for the students, faculty, staff to help and never to go against, Uh, you know, we're not adversarial. We are part of, uh, you know, the college community. So, and, and it's important to me, that everybody sees, you know, myself and my staff in that manner. And, you know, this recent negative interactions between the public and law enforcement, but, you know, I don't want that to carry over to my campus. Okay. All right. Uh, that being said, uh, why don't you describe some of the many roles that public safety plays on campus? Okay. So, uh, again, you know, we, we try to maintain a visible presence, 
uh, and the visible presence is there so that people can grab any one of us, hey, how do I, you know, directions, especially for newer people. How do I get from point A to point B? That's the easy stuff. And we're, you know, just so happy to either walk somebody or direct somebody. The response um, mechanism so that if somebody is in any type of distress, you can call our office on our emergency line or pull one of the emergency pull boxes along the campus. And then we respond real quickly to whatever the situation is and we help. And in many cases, it's, um, you know, we get called. A lot of our calls are what we call aided calls. And aided is when somebody's just really not feeling well to the point where they need to call somebody. Um, and there's a number of my staff that are active certified EMTs. Okay. And they can respond, you know, with a certain level of professionalism that a non-EMT, a non-certified EMT wouldn't have, you know, that degree of training. All of my staff. We're all trained in what's called basic first responder. So we can respond to most, you know, situations. And we've all taken things like uh, stop the bleed training and things like that. But an EMT has a higher level. And then we can do, you know, on-the-spot treatment and, if necessary, escalate it up by calling, uh, you know, the city 911 system as well. Um, we patrol on foot, in vehicles, on bicycles, and... Uh, and each one re requires a, a different degree of training. Like my bike officers have undergo a two-week training to, to be, you know, anyone can ride a bike, but to ride with a certain level of expertise for what's called police uh, mountain biking, it's a two-week training course that the officers have to pass before they can ride uh, one of our bikes on campus as a, uh, you know, whether it's a responder or really I think bike is just a great way to, you know, just ride around in crowded areas and talk to people. Sure. And uh, we, we started a community affairs team as you know, within my department, and they've done things like uh, Coffee with a Cop, which was an event we held in 1P, where we got like five dozen donuts, five boxes of coffee from uh, Tim Hortons, and whoever wanted to stop by, have a cup of coffee, a donut, and chat with us, you know, get to know what we're all about, and we gave out a lot of information. And we, within a few hours, went through all five dozen donuts and five boxes of coffee. It was very popular. And a lot of people are asking, hey, when are you doing that again? So it's something that will get up and running again soon. My community affairs team has done uh, a drive for um, breast cancer awareness and just a number of other things on campus. And we want to, you know, continue, you know, doing things. like We did a food drive around Thanksgiving. We did a toy drive around, around the Christmas holidays. And, and everything's delivered either to charities or directly to hospitals, like the toys we, we brought directly to hospitals, mm -hmm. the food we brought to um, different areas on Staten Island that distribute. And even our food pantry on campus, you know, received a lot of the food we collected also. So this is just, you know, some of the things that we do. So uh, definitely just beyond the, the security of the campus, uh, you guys are firmly rooted members of the community. That's our goal. That's where we want to be. All right. Uh, now, you mentioned some of the events that you've held as far as uh, getting to know the campus community better. Are there any public safety programs that benefit the campus community along the lines of, say, training sessions, seminars, anything like that, uh, which is safety related? Sure. So we do. Uh, I have on my staff a number of people who are CPR AED certified trainers mm -hmm. 
and we've trained different departments. We've trained students because uh, it's, it's an important skill to have to know how to do CPR or to use an AED in a life-saving situation. And uh, there is a certain amount of training that goes with it. It's a, it's, you know, it's a one-day training session to be certified in both CPR and AED. And we do that uh, for academic departments. We do it for the uh, phys ed department, uh, sports and rec. And we've done it for students as well. Um, there's active shooter training. So, you know, active shooter has been on everybody's mind for the last few years just right. because, unfortunately, it's more common than we would want it to be. So I do a number of times a semester, again, for administrative departments, for academic departments, for student clubs that have invited me. I'll do a full active shooter survival training session. So, like, it's like, what can you do? if you ever find yourself in that type of a situation to right. survive. And I've been a the part of one of those. It's, uh, it oh, okay. seems like a very effective program. Oh, thank you. So that's a few of the things, you know, that we, that we would do. Okay. Uh, now, of course, we, we seem like sometimes we're in a bit of a bubble here on campus where, you know, you guys are patrolling the campus. You're, you're looking out for the safety of the campus community. Uh, but occasionally, the NYPD has to get involved. Uh, what is your relationship with them, and uh, how do you re- rely on them? So, really great working relationship with all the precincts on Staten Island, most particularly our home precinct, which is the one to one But in just uh, two weeks ago, the, the one two, three got a new um, executive officer, and he just you know came by just to introduce himself, we exchanged inf- information. Um, and, and why? Because, you know, he knows that the College of Staten Island, even if he's not in this direct precinct, the College of Staten Island is one of the largest footprints on the island. Right. So every high-level police officer has to, you know, know who we are, what we are, what our capabilities are. So in general, so whether it's with the one-to-one, which is our home precinct, which I have a great relationship with, you know, the entire command we train with them in so many different ways for i'll give you one one for instance and and this was not only just with the one-to-one but uh active shooter response training not again like what would the a civilian do but what would we in law enforcement do if we had to respond to something like that and what would the protocols be who's going to respond first well who is we're going to respond first because Mm -hmm. we're we're the closest we're going to be there first but then what are we going to do when nypd arrives and then what are they? What are we all going to do when the FBI arrives? Uh, so the only way to know is to train. We've done tabletops and we've done boots on the ground type training with NYPD, FDNY, EMS, FBI. We're all there at a number of our sessions that we did right here on campus. Uh, one of them was we all came in on a five o'clock on a Sunday morning just to really do it on campus, and um, it was it was very successful and everybody you know, benefited by getting, you know, having boots on the ground and seeing you know, how the different agencies would interact with one another. But, uh, let, you know, less than an active shooter. Why else might we call it NYPD? Well, sometimes, you know, people wander on campus that are in different emotional states, emotional distress. Uh, it's not necessarily an arrest situation. You know, we don't want to arrest somebody who's in emotional distress, but sure. they have no business on campus. We want to make sure they get to a safe place. So we don't want to just throw them off campus either. Mm-hmm. So we may call 911 and NYPD would respond with EMS at that point 
and make a determination whether the person has to go to the hospital or sometimes uh, you know we can locate you know family members working with NYPD and either get them reacquainted with a family member or sometimes you know to the nearest hospital that can get them the help that they need if there's uh, a situation where a person gets you know extremely hostile and has to be arrested well we would would do it but then we will call NYPD to help process it you know at the precinct because the okay. precinct is, is their house um, you know th those things are rare but do they happen yes so we have to be we have to have the knowledge of what to do how to make an arrest and that's you know goes with the status of being a sworn officer a peace officer but police officers make those make arrests like all the time we make them very rarely so we'll work with NYPD and bring uh, the person to like say to their house to the precinct and they'll help us process the arrest now why will they help us because we know them, we have an established relationship with them. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to, to have those type of relationships. Okay. Now, Mike, let's shift gears a bit and discuss public safety during the COVID-19 lockdown. How did things change for you and your staff during that part of the, the process, the two years that uh, have elapsed since then? Yeah, that, that was, a, you know, it's been a crazy couple of years. So I mean, we went almost overnight from being an active open campus to a to lockdown mode for a period of time. Like right when we went into lockdown, that it was all at that point all about access control. Basically, we went from being an open campus for, to which anybody can come mm -hmm. to a campus where almost nobody can come unless you are a member of public safety or the power plant crew that was needed, you know, we're the only groups that were here. The power plant and my, and my staff were the only people that were here for quite a while during the original, you know, lockdown. And so that, at that point, it just became about access control, patrolling an empty campus, empty buildings, looking out for the occasional, you know, pipe that might have burst and things like that. Okay. Um, who really flourished during that, like, year or so was the wildlife on campus. You saw the deer population escalate, the groundhogs, skunks, uh, uh, the wildlife thrived. Even though um, during that time, we even had a family of fox on campus, but not with all the people back. Um, I haven't seen them you know, recently, but it was just a great change. And now, of course, we're getting into the next phase, of course, where, where people are back. Right. Now, this seems like it, it might have gotten a little bit easier for you because nobody's here. It's just kind of a patrol situation. Uh, what were some of the most uh, difficult challenges during that period for you and your staff? So a couple of things. Number one was morale, keeping everybody up, especially in the beginning. There was talk, and we were very close to turning a section of our campus into a hospital because of you know the hospitals were running out of space. And they were a day away from breaking ground on campus to turn a section of our campus into a, a pop-up COVID hospital. Right. Um, so, for, you know, morale-wise, the fact that we were the only people on campus keeping my staff up, coming to work every day, you know, there was a morale issue where sometimes, well, you know, everybody else is getting paid to stay home. You know, mm -hmm. Well, our job is not to stay home. We, can, we can't do our job from home. We need to be here, like all other law enforcement agencies. Uh, and for the most part, everybody understood that. But the second issue was keeping everybody safe, 
since we're the ones coming in every day and there was, you know, normally we're all as a group in close proximity with one another. But during, especially, you know, that period of time when, when COVID was at its height, we had to take precautions even amongst ourselves so that when we did our roll calls, everybody would be spread out. Everybody would be masked. Um, okay. It was just a weird time from a group of people that used to being so together, we had to, all, all, everybody keep our distance. And even so, the virus did work its way through our ranks um, every day. How many people were out? Was it two, four, six? Uh, there was, you know, periods of time where we were, you know, very shorthanded because too many of our people were either out with the virus or as close contacts had to be quarantined as well. So we were, you know, we were just getting by with, you know, whoever was able to come to work during that period. Okay. And you mentioned morale. What were some of the things that you did to bolster morale during that period? Just having a lot of talks, communicating with everybody. Uh, bringing in pizza as much as you know we could, and even pe- administrators from the college uh, would also you know send us pizza and, and and things, just knowing that we were here and you know supporting us, and that was always always went a long way. Yeah, I mean the pizza is great, but it's more the gesture, say hey, you know they do know we're here, and, and you know doing our thing every day. It was important, you know, to to keep remembering that, you know, things like that was helped, and I was able. Uh, at some point to extend the work day, but make it fewer days that everybody needed to come in so that people could be less exposed, but we still were able to cover our tours and, and everybody, we still got our hours in, but people also at the same time didn't have to, you know, leave their families instead of five days a week, which is our normal work week. I was able to cut it down to three days a week, but we did extended tours, but that okay. left everybody also home to take care of their families, you know, more than, at that period of time when people needed to be with their families as well. And that helped a lot also. All right. Now, the campus obviously is moving back toward a more in-person situation. Uh, Students are back, staff are back, faculty are back. What challenges does public safety face right now, now that things are opening up? So probably, again, it goes back to access control because pre-pandemic, we were an open campus. And now we're not really an open campus because you have to have the cleared four pass to get in. Mm-hmm. But that creates uh, created a whole new level of access control that we never had to deal with really before. So now, you know, it's created new posts for my staff. And these posts are uh, staffed outdoors on the roadway uh, because it's just it can't be done at the actual main gate booth because I can't have traffic backing up onto Victory Boulevard. So we moved everything a few hundred yards in where we set up, uh, sometimes I have a patrol car there, sometimes we we erect a tent, but there's usually like two officers there and, they, and they've been out there all winter long. And actually it started in the summer in the heat and in the winter with the cold, but they're out there 16 hours a day because uh, it's two full shifts that were out there mm-hmm. checking people's cleared for pass. And that was very difficult in the beginning because most students and even most faculty staff did not have it. They didn't know how to get it. You know, for a while, we were helping them right on the spot, telling them where to go on their on their phone to get, you know, what, the credentials that they needed. Now it's gotten easier because most people at this, by this point in the semester, you know, already – 
are familiar with it. They just know they have to access the cleared floor, show it on their on their phone, and come in. But for quite a while in the beginning, the lines to get on campus were very very difficult. That had to have been rough for uh, for the officers. Where <laughs> you're you're giving tutorials while people are backing up behind them. Right, and when people had their frustrations, they would. Unfortunately, in many cases, take it out on the officers, and like, like, why are you guys doing this? Well, you know, we weren't doing it. We just we had to do it because it's a CUNY is a CUNY rule. Yeah. This, the you know the clear four pass, and um, it wasn't our rule, but since we're the ones there, sometimes we took the brunt of people's frustrations. But we you know we got used to that, and we did our best to explain you know the, the actual situation and to help people just get it on their phone and once we started doing that uh people realized oh yeah these guys are here to help they're, you know they're not you know they're, they're not the bad guys yeah everybody seems so. to relax in the end once they figure out what's going right. on right exactly right yep. now let's look to the future beyond this pandemic getting back to a semblance of normal uh are there any new initiatives that uh, public safety plans to undertake with the campus community well, uh, just recently, like I mentioned, we did start a community affairs unit on campus, and we really want to do more and more with that, like just more activities and events that will put us in more, you know, contact with the college community, uh, from helping, like, during move-in day at the dorms, handing out waters, just helping the, the new students get in, uh, doing different types of outreach, like, uh, you know, the things that we just started doing on a small scale, you know, it was, it was really just trial this past year, but we've had some success. So we want to expand on all of these programs that, that, that the community affairs outreach team can really do. I'm getting two new golf carts. These are called club cars. Okay. Um, but they serve a similar purpose. But the ones I ordered are six-seater uh, open-air carts. And the reason I really want them is to patrol around in an open air cart like that so that we can get be more not only visible but interactive with the college community so we drive around on a cart like that if we're on the if I'm, you know driving around on the front of the campus and somebody's walking and i know hey talking to somebody on oh, where you're heading six south five jump in drive you all six south little things like that you know go a long way just and while you're there, you're, you're chatting, you're, you're, you're talking about who we are, who you are, getting to know, you know, our, our community that way. That's one of the new programs that I want to start. That I'm actually starting. So the, the carts, the, the the golf carts actually should be here um, this week. Oh, great. Now, again, let's shift a little bit and start, uh, start to talk a little bit about you. Uh, why don't you fill us in, Mike, on uh, your career before you came to CSI, and um, how you ended up here, and how long you've been here. Okay, sure. So, I started, I got out of college in 18, not 18, I'm sorry, 1986. <laughs> Might I'm feel that old. way, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, as a college kid, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I actually got my bachelor's degree in economics, and then went for my master's in criminology. And then when I graduated, I saw a job at Kingsborough Community College, and I was living in Brooklyn at the time, for just a security supervisor. Mm -hmm. And I had some experience working security while I was in college and 
and going for my master's degree. And so I come out with, with that degree and I said, I should be qualified for this job. And I interviewed and I did get the job as a security supervisor at Kingsborough. That was in 1986. Okay. And by 1996, I had been made uh, chief of the department there at Kingsborough. And I stayed there in total 22 years. Wow. And then in 2008, I was approached by the university director of public safety to leave Kingsborough and join him uh, as his deputy university director of public safety, where, and, and I did, and it was tough for me to leave Kingsborough after 22 years, but this was a really exciting opportunity uh, because it gave me some oversight and, and authority into the public safety nature of all 24 colleges that we had. And I did that for 10 years, and it was a great, you know, 10-year run mm -hmm. where I really was, I got to every college sometimes. You know, there were days, it wasn't uncommon for, for me to be in all five boroughs in one day. And that was an exciting day. I, I The day went quick like that. I, I loved it. And 10 years uh, doing that, an opening for director at College of Staten Island came up. So this was about four years ago. And I thought about it. My kids were at an age, uh, were growing, and they were getting involved in a lot of events and sporting events that were at night. And the problem was, you know, my, when I was working at a central office, a lot of my time was in the car, wasn't at home as much. And now when the opportunity came to come to CSI, and I knew a lot of people here already in the administration, in the department, and I knew it was a really good atmosphere to work in. And it would allow me to be home and attend more nighttime events with my family and sporting events that my kids were involved in. And I said, this would be a good time to be closer to home. So that was about four years ago. And I love the, the, the department here. Like I said, you know, because I've been in CUNY for so many years in public safety, I knew the people. I knew it was a strong department. And I knew, the, you know, good, good portions of the administration. And I was just like I said, this is just such a great place. I can't give up its opportunity because you never know when the next time it, will, it might present itself. So I applied and, um, you know, went through the entire interview process and was lucky, you know, to be chosen. That was about four years ago. So I've been here actually almost four and a half years now. So that gives me 37 years in CUNY. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great career, Mike. Also, though, I still have one foot in the door at Kingsborough because they actually rewarded me uh, about a, uh, last year with the 35 years of continuous service because I'm still uh, on the faculty there. I teach uh, criminology courses at Kingsborough uh, at night and uh, have been doing so for over 30 years. Wow. No, congratulations teach, uh, on that. That's great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I teach uh, um, in, like an advanced criminology course there. Okay. Now, looking at your job, what do you like most about what you do here at CSI? People. Um, I, I'm a people person. I just love interacting with people. And that's the type of job I have. Like, everyone can do the job differently. Mm -hmm. Some people do this job just sitting behind a desk. I love getting out, talking to people. And that's, you know, the type of leadership that I want to show because I find that people tend to emulate you know, your supervisors. So if your supervisor is somebody who's out there talking to people constantly, getting to know people, that's how I want my officers to be. So that's my personality, and so what do I like best about the job? Just constantly being able to interact with different people every day. Okay. Now, on the other side of the coin, what do you think are the toughest aspects? Well, 
two ways to answer that, but one way is um, the toughest aspect is sometimes when people call. It's like when anybody calls, let's say, the police or people call us, but when you get there, you're dealing with people who are in a heightened state for whatever reason because they don't call you uh, and, like, people don't call the police or they don't call for public safety uh, to, to respond unless there's something really going on that they're either experience a very serious you know, health emergency or they feel like they're being threatened. Uh, so when you're approaching them, you're not approaching them at their best. But we turn that situation around. If it's a health emergency, it's so great to be able to have the um, expertise to help somebody, even though when you got there, they're not feeling so great. Mm-hmm. But by the time you're leaving them, they're either going in an ambulance and you know they're going to get the care that they need or we were able to treat right on the site and by the time they're leaving us they, i love seeing how thankful people are but you know that so that's the tough part when you're seeing people like not at their best but we you know 99 percent of the time we're able to change that around good um but all, all in all i see you know, what's the toughest part of this job it's not it's that's not a tough job when you love what you do if you really like what you do every day there's really nothing tough about it you just do it every day because you you enjoy it so that's not tough it's, i'm not saying my job is easy but it's not tough because i like what i'm doing every day well that's great mike well thank you for taking some time to tell us about the office of public safety and letting the campus community know what's uh the role that you guys play and, and the many things that people probably don't even realize. Hopefully I was able to get, you know, some messages out there that, that people can say, oh, wow, I didn't realize that they did this. And, that, and that's great. Yep. Okay. Thanks again, Mike. All right. You're very welcome, Terry. And thank you for having me. I, re- I really do appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening. Coming up next week, David Pizzuto rejoins the show on CSI Today Talks. Check us out, as well as all the newsmakers at CSI, on www.csitoday.com, and be sure to subscribe. We'll see you next week, right here on CSI Today Talks. Thank you for listening to this edition of the CSI Today Talks podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to get alerted for brand new episodes and to listen on demand to your favorites. Be sure to check us out at www.csitoday.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.